Welcome to the Companion Chapel Everyday Bible Study Podcast. My name is Mike, coming to you from the Great Lakes area of beautiful Ontario, Canada, on this gorgeous October 12th day, 2021. Coming right up is 1 Samuel chapter 23. Don't you dare miss it. All anxieties and uncertainties stop where biblical literacy starts. This Companion Chapel Podcast makes the Bible easy for you to understand and enjoyable for you to follow along. First, please consider your part in the many-membered body of Christ. This is your church. Help glorify, magnify, and broadcast God's saving word. My part is creating this Bible teaching media. Your part consists of getting involved in that church administration with your time or money contributions, managing, marketing, advertising, helping with the website or the podcast, whatever God-given talent you have. God expects you to use it in the many-membered body of Christ. Companion Chapel is a registered nonprofit ministry. This Bible teaching podcast is only possible with your donations. Give it up for God and your whole human family at companionchapel.com, Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, or e-transfer to email address companionchapel at gmail.com. Companion Chapel is located at number 338, side road 28-29, Paisley, Ontario, Canada, and 0G2NO. And let's get right down into it here. First Samuel chapter 23. Now Samuel, uh, going back a verse here into chapter 22, Samuel saying, listen, Abathar just saw his whole priest seminary got wiped out. Just a mass murder, uh, a genocide uh, from Saul. King Saul went up there and through all his jealousies and his blinded by hate, the trademarks of evil, he wiped them all out. And Abathar is the son of the high priest, the only one that lived and got away. And David got away too. So the whole God's whole plan is sitting on these two guys, David and Abathar. And David's saying, listen, have faith in God. You're going to be safe. That's great faith there. Okay, so 23, verse 1. Then they told David, saying, behold, the Philistines fight against Kelei. They robbed the threshing floors. Okay, so here's a, a place of Judea. Um, the Philistines have come up. This is a walled city, and they're looting the place. They're just they're just taking everything. Okay? Therefore, David inquired of the Lord. That's very important. Never read over that. It didn't say. It didn't say David went there and, you know, he cleaned house or he did whatever he had to do. He asked God first. You always say your prayers in in the morning and inquire of the Lord. You seek Him out. You seek His knowledge. And you seek his understanding so you can stand. You have to confide in the Lord to abide in the Lord. You have to have unadulterated faith and belief in the Lord to get relief from the ways and things of the world, the uncertainties, the anxieties. And most of all, you have to trust the Lord or you can't be trusted. So David inquired of the Lord. He said his prayers. Shall I go smite these Philistines? And the Lord said unto David, Go and smite the Philistines and save Kelei. So Kelei means fortress, walled city. And David's men said unto him, Behold, we be afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we come to Kelei against the armies of the Philistines? Like, remember, this army is a newly formed army. And these guys are going, uh, We have Saul after us, and now what you want? You want us to go fight the Philistines? Like that, that's a good question. It's good to uh, ask, you know, ask them, like, are you sure? And then look what David did. And David inquired of the Lord yet again. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise and go down to Kelei, for I will deliver the Philistines into thy hand. 
Okay, that's that's great. Go back and ask God again. Like, just make sure, make sure that you're cleansed when you pray. And uh, Lord Jesus Christ gave us power in Luke chapter ten. He says, "I give you power." What what a great what a great thing never to overlook. Like when you're saying your prayers, say, "Lord Jesus Christ, upon repentance, please forgive me for my sins." And then it's, he thank you for bestowing the power on me. I rebuke Satan, all evil spirits, demons, devils, all powers, principalities of Satan, everything that is corrupt to you, my Lord Jesus Christ, everything that is offensive to you in your kingdom, rebuke from inside me and all around me. And ask for Lord Jesus Christ's love and protection to be your veil. And this is what David's doing. Okay, I'm going to ask again. So David and his men went to Kelly and fought with the Philistines and brought away their cattle and smote them with a great slaughter. So David saved the inhabitants of Kelly. Like, God keeps his word here. Choir of the Lord and, and make sure you're not swayed by yourself. Like, David says, like, hey, I got a ragtag army here. I have one army after me. Like, we don't have any sovereign area. And now we're basically on the run and we got to go down here and fight another country while our alleged home country is after us. But he listened to God and, and there you have it. And it came to pass when Abathar, the son of Amalek, fled to, to David, to Kelei, that he came down with an ephod in his hand. Okay, this is the high priest. And it was told Saul that David was come to Kelei. And Saul said, God, um, God has delivered him into my hand. For he is shut in by entering into a town that hath gates and bars. So there's spies all over the place, and people just love doing that. People love gossiping and tattletaling and finding faults in others. And that's called, um, when you're doing something like this, butt kissing. Okay? So we got one of Saul's spies said to Saul, Listen, David's stuck in this walled city. We could surround it, and you can finally kill him, Saul. And Saul called all the people together to war, to go down to Kelei. He, this Saul got his army together. For what? To besiege David and his men. David was innocent. He didn't do nothing. He didn't, he, in his heart, David loved Saul. And he was, Saul promised him, king's oath, yeah, you get my, my eldest daughter, and your whole family is off the hook of, like, being burdened with taxes or anything. You guys are, are all part of my family now. Part of the king's family. But Saul reneged on it because the spirit of jealousy and envy entered Saul. And it just destroys everything. And David knew that Saul secretly practiced mischief against him. And he said to Abathar the priest, bring hither the ephod. Okay, so he's going to choir of the Lord. Now, how did David know this? Because there would be spies going back and forth. A lot of people love David. And they recognized David and acknowledged David. Hey, he's a good guy, and we don't know why Saul's going against him. But some people will just jump on one bandwagon and on, on another bandwagon, whatever's convenient for them. And people talk, so there's, you know, David's getting the message, and Saul's getting the message. Then said David, O Lord God of Israel, thy servant has certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Kelei to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Kelei deliver me up into his hand? Will Saul come down as thy servant hath heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant. And the Lord said, He will come. 
Yep, Saul's going to come, and the people don't really care about you because you're yesterday's news. Yeah, you saved us from the Philistines, but now that was yesterday. You know, that's how people are. Don't be so yesterday. The, the, just the frivolousness of the human character of these people from Kelei. They should have protected David. No, they're, they're ready. Uh, oh, here comes Saul now. Okay, we'll give it up. We'll, we'll give David up to Saul. That's what's in their hearts. Then said David, will the men of Kelei deliver me up? Yes, we just went over that. 13, then David and his men, which were about 600. That's 200 more than chapter 22, verse 2. So a lot of people have loyalty to David. And for good cause. Because David is David was just a straight up guy. Like he was a solid person. In, and he had a standard he followed through Samuel from God. Like Samuel would have taught David qu quite a bit when, he, when David was anointed. Like why did they pick David? Like he was the youngest kid. He's usually the firstborn. And God knows. God has a plan. And arose in depart okay, and arose in depart of Kelei. So David and his army of six hundred now went whithersoever they could go. And it was told Saul that David escaped from Kelei, and he forbear to go forth. And David abode in the wilderness in strongholds, and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. Now Ziph means battlement. And Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hand. God is protecting David. God protects the truth. Like if, like if you go out there and try to teach the Bible, like I've done street ministries and online stuff, you better be ready to get attacked. Like people don't like the truth if it doesn't mesh with what they think like wh whatever imaginative criticism they have they don't like it this is this story or this this lesson here that God has given us is just be ready like you're not going to be popular it's not convenient God's word wasn't written for convenience it wasn't written to please people it's a set of standards based on the love of Christ, based on compassion and love and understanding all the trademarks of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't mesh with the ways and things of the world at all. And people will try and kill the truth. And, pe and just like Saul's trying to kill David for no reason. And people will come up and, and, and try and kill the truth of the Bible itself. The mockers, the scoffers. Always remember the power of a mocker or a scoffer always lies within accusation. Never factual. It's just something they've made up or they've heard from hearsay. Everybody up here around here seems to have an opinion on the Bible. But when you ask them, have you even read it? No. Oh, I went to a church, especially the Catholics. I went to a Catholic school. Well, you're biblically illiterate, so do you want to? Th did you ever think about maybe reading it? It's only 700 pages, like really. And always remember, if you go in there and your heart is closed, like your opinions, you've personified whatever opinions, wherever you've got them from, your beliefs, that judicial blindness, what God's saying when 
he puts the spirit of stupor on people or the spirit of slumber, that's divine judicial blindness. And why would he do that? Because unless you, unless you let go of those things and become born again or born from above, then judicial blindness will always follow persistent unbelief, imaginative criticism, and chronic disobedience. You can't go into the Bible with your opinions and try and persuade God's Word on others with, with your opinions. And then people will say to me, well, that's your interpretation, Michael. You have your interpretation of the Bible, and we have our interpretation. I say, the Bible interprets itself. It's not my interpretation. It contains a glossary. When, when God allowed me the key of David, which unlocks the scriptures. When God allowed me to, to see the threads that tie this book together, the threads are God's divine trademark stamp of validity. When, and the threads that run through the Bible make up the structural fabric of the key of David for understanding. Like people will read the Bible and they don't get it. Well, it says in the Bible over and over, you have to find a remnant of truth. He will help you. There'll be very few of them. Rarely are you going to find them in a church. Like Out of the 100 churches I've been to, one has been teaching the Bible. And then the next week, this same church picks it up where he left off, which is the greatest thing, and teaches the Bible. There's a, there's a church online that teaches it chapter by chapter, verse by verse too. What are all the other churches doing? Well, they're just like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They're teaching traditions. They're using the Bible like a random book of quotes. And it kills the word. And here we are. Here's another example of what gets into people. Traditions of men make void the word of God as it's written. And traditions are based on the trademarks of evil. Thinking you know better. The wantings and lusts of the flesh or not having the protection of the veil of Christ or hedge of God allows jealousies, envies, blames, regrets, all these wasted emotions that are going to destroy you from the inside out. People, like, when, when uh, especially in the street ministry, I notice the common thread amongst the downtrodden, amongst the homeless, that the spirit of blame is just saturated in them. Like they constantly are blaming, like if that person didn't do this, if that per- I wouldn't be in this predicament. It's like I always say you can't live in the present if you're still living in the past. Like the, the disappointment in others, well, don't put expectations on anybody. Like people are always going to let you down. Only the Lord Jesus Christ will never let you down. And other prisons that people put themselves in of vain emotions. Like being concerned with what other people think is leads to like this huge anxiety. Like the global media has put on us, just pound into our total psyche. What's valuable, what's not valuable? What's beautiful, what's not beautiful? It used to be just on ratings, like on TV when I was a kid. Now the internet's on algorithms and it really changes your reactive attitude if you let it. Unless you have a standard. You can't let the global media set up a standard for you. Because all these emotions of insecurities, anxieties, are all a prison people put themselves in. The prison of what other people think. You know, I can't go to the mall, I can't go in there. 
and you really think what someone's really like eyeballing you and gives a damn like what you got on, like your clothes, your hair, your makeup, or or for guys like I can tell you, I walked in that prison, and it was brutal. It led to the worst insecurities, anxieties, worries, a total waste of time for nothing. And then other people get into like Saul here of jealousy. Like he has, a, he's a king. And who was, did he earn that spot, king? Like did he get into politics and, and earn his spot? No, God anointed him king. He says, you guys want a king? Here's a king. He didn't earn it. And look, it's not still not good enough for him. He still gets, he's bound by jealousy, discontent. He's resentful. He's bitter. He's suspicious. He suffers paranoia, mistrust, insecurity. And that's why he's after David. God's word gives us a way out. It's The path is pretty slim, but it's straight. That's what says Jesus Christ is our rock. He's our only security. He's our comforter. So Jesus Christ became our Passover. We pass over the ways and things of the world of all those vain emotions that are just a monumental waste of time. And those emotions are all demons, devils, evil spirits. Like, they just, they just allow you to run with it. Playing a snare drum in your head just, yeah, you deserve more. Uh, people are looking at you, have an anxiety attack, run to a doctor and get some pills. Well, it's not going to do you any good. You have to humble and realize, hey, anxiety especially is something you make up. You're making up a story that hasn't happened yet and you're conceiving it and it's like a child inside you. In the Hebrew language, it's like curdled milk. That's what jealousy feels like. like it feels like you got curdled milk in your stomach. You get hot and you're upset. You're doing it to yourself. You got a little demon playing a snare drum in your head just winding you up. And you don't have to feel like that. And you can't expect... I, I, I had anxiety really bad. And I exhausted my caregivers. Like I'm making up stuff that hasn't happened yet. So how can they even comprehend what... You know, oh, he has bad anxiety. So what, what do they do? End up, end up taking pills for it. Like Valium or Clonazepam or Xazepam, whatever. And then... And then it's like uh, you never, you never get to the core problem. You're just masking it with these pills. It just takes like you have to humble yourself and say, hey, "I'm making this up myself." And why would I put expectations on somebody to have compassion for me when I'm having anxiety and I'm upset? I don't, I'm not getting any support. Somebody told me I have anxiety, I, I, and you don't support me. I'm, how do I support something that you've made up that I have no idea where you're running with it? Like you exhaust your caregivers with anxiety, and it's such a and the global media has made it such a big thing. Saul has anxiety; he's all over David. And David saw here on verse fifteen of chapter twenty-three. And David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Ziph in the wood. Okay, and Jonathan's son arose. Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the wood and strengthened his hand in God. Like Jonathan had every right. To be the next king after Saul. But Jonathan was a good guy. And he goes out there. He understands. That David was chosen by God. He understood right off the hop. Okay. Saul wasn't all about himself. saying, I deserve to be the next king. I was the next born from Saul. Who's this David? 
Like Saul, Jonathan could have easily looked at David like he heard sheep and he winged a rock and hit Goliath and uh, I'm king. I, he, Jonathan could have done a lot of things. Like he could have just wiped out David and and just sat there and, and been the next king. But no, Jonathan knew what was right and what was wrong and what was morally right, ethically right, and spiritually right. And Jonathan was for David. He comes out there and he's giving David the heads up. And, you know, Jonathan's risking his life for this too. Like, basically, that's treason. And he said unto him, Fear not, for the, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find thee, and thou shalt be king over Israel. Jonathan acknowledges this. And I shall be next unto thee. Hey, don't forget about me, David. And that also Saul my father knoweth. Yeah, Saul knows all this is going to happen. But, you know, people will just fight it to the bitter end. And Saul just can't get over himself. Because he's, he's, his whole psyche is being run by self-pride. He just thinks, he, he just thinks whatever, whatever's going through his mind is, is, is the right thing to do. Even no matter how bizarre it is. And that applies to people today. When people say, yeah, believe in yourself. I believe in myself. I'm my own God. I know. Yeah, you, yeah okay. That, good luck with that. And when you finally beat down to the core, God's outstretched arms are always there. Because uh, that will just, setting up your own doctrine to live by is what mankind seems to do. They think they can govern themselves. Mankind has never been able to govern themselves. It's a 100% failure rate. And here's Saul thinking that he knows better. And look at look what happens to his uh, kingship. Then came up to the Ziphites to Saul the Gibeah, saying, Doth not David hide himself with us in strongholds in the wood, in the hill of Halakai, which is on the south of Jeshimon? So he's in the hills in the wasteland. If you uh, translate these words out, like all, all these words like Gibeah and Hachalah and Jeshimon, uh, like Gilead means out in the hills, and um, Hakilai means the hill, and Jeshimin means wasteland. So they're descriptive terms. And now, therefore, O king, come down according to all the desire of thy soul to come down, and our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hand. And there you go. You got a bunch of like just people going against people. Like this is the this is hell. This is opposite of heaven. Like, this is all fighting and going behind each other's backs and wanting to see other people destroyed, not coming to an understanding of other people. And that's what's on planet Earth today. Division, troubles, conflicts, wars, and all the trademarks of evil are saturated in planet Earth today. And we're destroying it. We're destroying the planet and we're destroying humanity. And... This is a great example. And Saul said, Blessed be ye of the Lord. Here, I'm just going to drop God's name when it's convenient to make myself look like a Christian. And so many people do that. It's such a terrible thing to do. Like, if you're a Christian, you have a book, it's 700 pages long. Like, drive it into you, man. Be somebody. It's written in the common pen. Like, a lot of these things, like, oh, it's a hard read. It's a hard, and then click on the TV. Click on your computer. Or listen to somebody talk about the Bible and not teach it. Write books about the Bible and make a gazillion dollars off of it. And never teach it. And then just drop God's word. God's name. Yeah. 
listen, and that's a sacred name too. Blessed be of, of Yahweh, he says in the manuscripts, for you have compassion on me. Go, I pray you, prepare yet, and know and see his place where his haunt is, and who hath seen him there. For it is told me that he dealeth very subtly. Well, trademarks of evil right there. Who, when you see this word subtle, never overlook this word. Who was the most subtle of them all? Satan himself. And we know Ezekiel chapter 28. God made Satan in, in the full pattern of wisdom and beauty. Like he's smarter than us. He's, he was made in the highest supernatural order. He was the covering cherub. He was there on the altar of God. God made him. He, he allowed Satan free will. And, and what happened? Self-pride got into Satan. Like when, in Job 38 when it says, All the stars sang for joy for the Lord. We all sang to the Lord in joy. God created us for his joy, for his pleasure, for his glory. And we were all there together, our whole human family, living in peace. And then Satan was, Satan was right there too, looking at all of us. And of course, we would have been staring at this entity, Satan, made in the full pattern of beauty and wisdom. And he's looking down at us, and then iniquity got into Satan, self-pride. He says, hey, I can, like in Isaiah chapter 14, I, I think I could be God over these people. And he challenged God's sovereignty. He slandered God. He suggested to us, all of us, you guys can govern yourselves and I'll be your king. Like, like let's challenge God's sovereignty here. And of course God knew what was going on. And, that, and that's all. It's, it's beautifully laid out in the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. Chapter 12. That one third of us actually followed Satan. God said, okay, you guys, you guys want to, you guys think that you got it, that, that you can govern yourselves, you free will, and you can govern yourselves with this guy in charge. All right, I'm going to, I'm going to allow you to do that. I'm going to allow you to be, go, to go through the matrix once, born innocent of woman, and, and then go for it. See if you can govern yourself. See what happens. And mankind has a hundred percent failure rate at governing ourselves and we're destroying this planet and each other for greed, gluttony, self-pride, entitlement. The opposite of what the kingdom of heaven is really like. A place of peace beyond our present comprehension. We don't have anything up there because we have everything. There's no possessiveness. There's no finger pointing with disdain. There's no hate. There's no blame, regrets. All those things are such a waste. So we're restricted here. We, we're being reduced. Like we can't understand what's happening like off this planet. Like God's, just the proof that there's God is that he's restricted us not to understand space and time. Like when you look up into the sky, you, it's impossible for us to even comprehend infinity. It's impossible. So there's proof right there that we're, that we're restricted. And we're going through this age. And the Bible has laid it out perfectly. And along comes science, true science, and proves it. Proves. Yeah, there was an ice age. There was nothing living here, man. For t the ice age, uh, science says 2.4 million years. There was nothing on planet Earth. There was an ice ball. 
And somehow, through pseudoscience, fake science, lies, they said, no, we evolved. And I'm like, how, how's that possible? There would have to be an infinite array of fossils and remains for each, for, uh, for each species at every minute stage of transition from their, this theory that we all evolved from the swamp from a single cell. And some people say, well, we haven't found them yet. Well, you found fossils and remains and proved a whole Cambrian period, 350 million years ago to 500 million years ago, that whole period, fossils and remains. But there's no transitionary fossils going in or out. Like, life came on the planet, ready to rock. And that's the way it is. You can't find fossils. Like, you've to find fossils of whales. Like, what people, people are trying to say to me, scientists, yeah, they're on land, and then they move to the sea. Well, when their legs developed into fins. There'd be, there'd be fossils, millions of years of fossils of that. They developed a blowhole. They developed eyes that could see underwater and the ability to, to give birth in unsalt water. There's, like evolution is, is an embarrassment to mankind, an abomination to God, that theory. It would be so easy to prove if it was true. But it's just something that people like to believe in, like it's handy and convenient, and you can run with it all you want. Again, it's an embarrassment to mankind to consider the theory of evolution, and it is abomination to God. Like we don't know nothing. Like, we think we're so smart because, oh, now we're going to get to Mars. Guess what's at Mars? Nothing. Like, until God lifts the restrictions on us and puts us back in our spiritual bodies, you're in one body or another, terrestrial or spiritual. This flesh body is a short period when you look at the affairs of time. We can't even comprehend infinity back, a million, trillion, zillion years, and infinity forward. Like, what's going to stop time? Nothing. So, obviously, God has us restricted. We live 60, 70, 80 years down here. Like, as far as the affairs of time are concerned, that's nothing. Like, God's proving to us. Say, hey, listen, you guys carried iniquity in you, self-pride and, and arrogance and aggression and blame and, 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 and entitlement. And that has to come out of you. And for it to come out of you, I'm going to have you born innocent of woman, pass through the matrix once, and you decide what's in you. What is important to you? Eternal life or this little tiny blip of time? Selfishness or selflessness? And uh, King Saul is obviously on the hell side of things here. And he's perpetuating it. And now he's got people coming out trying to tell, uh, you know, spies all over the place. And he's very subtle. And that's what, what we're talking about. Satan is subtle with trickery and deception and people are subtle too when they say they're Christians and they're not like what you, you, people slap it down someone was out here a few years ago and it's, yes I'm a Christian person you can trust me wrote the guy a check for the lumber for this place he didn't even go he bought half the lumber so where's the rest of the lumber skated he was a Christian though that was his card I'm a Christian you can trust me well Next time someone says they're a Christian, be very careful because it's become such a pedestrian term. We pray they are, and you can see their faith by their works.
You know, if they have some biblical knowledge or if they just have those catchphrases, like just love Jesus. Jesus died for your sins. That was the Christians I knew when I was a kid. It's like, what's that even mean? Don't be a doubting Thomas. Jesus died for your sins. Right? Could you uh, open your Bible possibly and teach me that? Not one page, nine years of church. What a waste. See therefore and take knowledge of all the lurking places where he hideth himself and come again to me with certainty and I will go with you and it shall come to pass if he be in the land I will search him out throughout all the thousands of Judah. Like Saul's on a mission here, on a murder mission. 24. And they arose and went to Ziph before Saul and David and his men were in the wilderness of Moan in the plain of the south of Jeshimon. Saul also and his men to seek him and they told David, wherefore he came down into a rock and abode in the wilderness of Maom. And Saul heard that, and Saul heard about it. He pursued after David in the wilderness. And Saul went to this side of the mountain, and David and his men on the other side. So, what's happened here is this place, when you transliterate it, you know what? It actually transliterates in verse 28. So, let's just go here. So, we got the two armies, one on one side of a mountain, one on the other side, and there's a valley in between, okay? And there came a messenger unto Saul, saying, Haste thee, and come, for the Philistines have invaded the land. So Saul, in his pursuit of hatred, has taken his whole army out of his, of his kingdom area, and he's out in the wilderness here, and the other army that he should be protecting himself against, the Philistines, today, Saul the dum-dum is out there way out in the wilderness with all his special forces. Uh, let's go and... Uh, take his stuff. Let's go invade. Like, here's mankind always looking to take. And, and, and that's like all the wars today. It's like you got a country, you're doing all right. Why don't you just mind your own business? Yeah, you, United States, for example. Mind your own business. Like, I, I didn't know anything. I went to school, took history and everything. They never taught us nothing. It would have been great if they would have taught us about, like, the Vietnam War. I just heard a, a documentary on the radio late at night on what like what prompted the Vietnam War like the United States buzz off and quit dropping God's name and God we trust why are you in 152 different countries right now today with with military ground forces like when I say that to people they just no way well check it out check it out there's websites out there that will tell you what's going on on planet earth today in real time United States just can't mind their own business. What were you doing in Afghanistan for 20 years? What were you doing in Vietnam? Like, you're just fighting wars that you can't win. So what, what are you doing? Trying to, to... And then I get flack back from people saying, Oh, we know better, and it's for their own good. Yeah, United States knows better. You have one in seven people on food stamps. You, your healthcare system is a joke unless you, got a, unless you have money. You're, you're such a divided nation, and you're so watered down. Your whole belief system's watered down, which is in the Trump seals and vials. But you, you seem to know better. Going like Russia isn't in 152 different countries. China isn't. You know they're just watching the United States thug around and bully the planet. Like what? What are you trying to prove? What's your motive? The motive ends up being, it's all based on money. One world political system, one, one world economy, as it's written in the Bible, will come. Which never made sense 50, 50, 100 years ago. The Bible is explaining us, it's 
explain as things coming to pass in real time, especially in the book of Revelation, in real time. These are all examples to us. Like, you can't put your faith in mankind or in a government system. They're always going to let you down. Like, 100% failure rate. Here's Saul going around, like, fighting useless battles just through self-pride and hate. Just to, just to, so that feeding into his self-pride and hatred. He's blinded by hate. That, well, I was really surprised about that Vietnam War. I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really understand it because it's never been taught to me like like mind your own business and another thing the hypocrisy of just this Canadian government for example speaking out against the war in Yemen going on and on about oh this is just a human rights tragedy but meanwhile the Canadian government is selling Billions of dollars of uh, war machine stuff, guns and what, whatever else is involved in uh, military hardware to Saudi Arabia, who is f- using our weapons that we make here in Canada against the people of Yemen. And I'm just like, just the hypocrites, man. Just absolute hypocrisy. And it's just, it's sad. It's sad, but you have to be aware of it. And that's mankind trying to govern themselves. So here's a messenger. He came in, he came, uh, told Saul, listen, man, you took the whole army out and now the Philistines are taking all our stuff. So Saul, you know, did a 180, returned from pursuing after David and went against the Philistines. Therefore, they called that place Selah, Hama, Dekoth. And that means... Just like a cliff of divisions, a separation. That's where one army could be on, you know, one side of the mountain facing the other army on the other side of the mountain. They could see each other and they could hear each other, but it was inaccessible like, because of the valley area. And uh, David went up from thence and dwelt in strongholds in Engade, which means like a goat area. So it'd be like a hilly goat area. Well, that's enough for today. That's chapter 23 of the first book of Samuel. And always remember, like, these aren't just Bible stories. These apply to today. All these things were for examples for us in these end times. And God's just giving us a warning, just saying, listen, I'm in charge. I'm watching this. And you'll be judged accordingly. All God's ways are judgment. He's watching to see what's in your heart. He gave us free will. He will only accept free will love. He will not accept lip service or, or anything fake or he's not going to accept a slouch. And that's who, that's who Saul ended up being. Saul ended up, his deep character ended up being a slouch. Everyone can just get a hold of themselves and repent and have a change of heart. It's all on an individual basis. People say to me, well, I went to the Catholic Church for all these years and, and you know, I supported them heavily. Yeah, you made the Pope rich and you're part of the Vatican now. What do they do for you? Nothing. When's the Pope ever stood there with the Bible and said, turn with me in your Bibles to page or to uh, the book of Samuel, you know, chapter 23? Never. The guy, the, like when Jesus Christ said to the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the big churches with the fancy robes and he called them, you're of your father, the devil. Like you guys are as phony as it gets. Like the big show is phony. Where's the, where's the, uh, 
the, the, how do you describe John the Baptist? The best prophet or the most important prophet there was? Where's he? Is he in a, an effeminate clothing, standing in a big church behind a, behind a pulpit? No. If you want the truth, you have to seek it out. Where was John? He was down by some river in, in, a, in a camel skin coat. And these guys playing church, dumping God's word all the time, wearing crosses in these churches. It's the same as today. Very difficult to find a church that's going to teach you God's word. You can't, it's playing church and acting churchy and not understanding God's word. That's, and people, that's when people start calling themselves Christians. And it's a sad thing. It's a sad thing that people, people don't understand. God gave us one book at 700 pages. It's that, not that hard to learn. You find someone to teach it to you. Or you just keep reading it and reading it and it just starts coming together. And understand that was written in a different language and that the translation was difficult. So you have to go back to the original language, which isn't hard, man, because there's lexicons and there's um, uh, Strong's Concordance. And there's people out there that, that have taken the time to learn it. Well, I hope you're enjoying the book of Samuel and I want you to have the greatest day. Thank you very much for listening and bye for now.